to Tell Me About Your Song, the podcast where I talk to musicians and songwriters about a song they've written. Today's guest is Susan Catanio, and we'll be talking about her song Revival, which is from her album Haunted Heart. So where would you like to start with the song? I teach songwriting at Berkeley, and one summer, this very famous songwriter came to Berkeley, and I really wanted to meet her. And I didn't get a chance to meet her because there were a ton of other people who were also trying to get to meet her. So I went home that night, and I dreamt that I co-wrote this song. And during my dream, I asked this famous songwriter, what is this about? And she said, well, you know, it's a revival. Just look it up. And so I woke up at 6 a.m. that morning and had to write down the music also, and then went on my computer and Googled revival, not knowing really what that was. I obviously subconsciously knew what it was and discovered this whole tent revival thing, which, you know, is in the South when a preacher would set up a kind of like a traveling religious experience. And they set up tents and they set up chairs, and then people would pay to come in and be saved. So in some cases, they would usually have someone in the audience who would, I'm quoting, unquoting, who would be saved. But I also think that miracles probably did happen also at the same time. And the weirdest thing is that I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and reached out and there was an empty Kleenex box next to my bed. My husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm writing a song. (laughs) And I wrote the whole thing down on the Kleenex box. So the song came to you with the lyrics and the music more or less intact? Yeah. It's funny because I think that sometimes song ideas will come to me and I'll write them down. The next morning it'll say like, you know, Mars invaders in a Volkswagen. And at the time it was really a brilliant idea. (laughs) But then in the morning light, I'm like, what was I thinking? But this was strange because I literally wrote the whole entire song in the dream. And the only thing that I ended up writing when I was fully awake was the bridge. Because I had to really think of like, why did I write this? What was the point of writing this song? Funny thing is, is that the songwriter who is Bonnie Hayes, who wrote a lot of hits for Bonnie Raitt, ended up becoming a really good friend of mine and is now the chairman of our songwriting department at Berkeley. So I work with her a lot. (laughs) And one time over red wine, I had to tell her, hey, I wrote a song with you in my sleep. And then when I actually finally gigged it out for the first time after I'd written it, she actually accompanied me on it and sang background vocals, which was really an incredible honor. Cotton candy in a paper Bible tent is going up. A hundred folks out in the Kansas rain, waiting to see who's gonna get saved. Cotton candy, that was a line that I really, I thought, do I need to change that? But then I thought, no, I really wanted to make it like, oh, it's an event. You know, it's an event. Like there's cotton candy, there are people like juggling outside the tent, you know, there are snake charmers and people are standing out in the rain. They don't even care because who's going to get saved tonight? You know, it's the big event in town. It's a show and yet it's a religious experience. And then I think once you kind of get inside and you get caught up in that and the preacher's rolling like thunder on the stage, notice the rain thing, right? So we got the rain but it's also raining inside because there's a storm inside and out. So this time it's like, hey, 
All you need is a dollar. If you give me a dollar, who knows what could happen? Come on in and find a folding chair. Close your eyes and say a I had a time when I was very heavily involved in Nashville and I was a country performer and performing artist. And so I did radio shows in the Midwest and I spent a lot of time in Kansas and I couldn't believe the horizon. It just went on forever. And initially you were just amazed by that. It's just the most astounding thing that, you know, you can see a cloud coming for miles. And then after a few hours, you're like, wow. That's still just like that. That is, that's hours later. There's still nothing on the horizon. One thing that I think is kind of interesting in teaching songwriting at Berkeley, we talk about different forms. So there's the form of verse chorus, which has a very clearly defined contrasting section. It's usually located in a higher range melodically and it has repetition in it. And then there is the verse pre-chorus chorus, which is when you have like a ramp or a transitional bridge that gets you from the verse into the chorus. Or you have a verse refrain, which is otherwise known as an A-A-B-A song, where the hook is located at the end of the verse. And the thing that I kept not wrestling with, but I definitely kept examining it and thinking, oh, how interesting. To me, the song is a verse pre-chorus refrain. And that's kind of an unusual form for a song. Because I think the part about being grateful, that's a pre-chorus. Its function is not a chorus. It's like it moves you to supposedly a chorus, but then it's a little bit of a surprise that it's just a hook. Mm -hmm. That was actually really interesting form-wise. And since I've written that song, I've actually written a few more of these kind of hybrid songs that include a verse and a pre-chorus that leads to a refrain line instead of leading to a full chorus. So gather round your faithful That man's got the heat, the heat in his head. The fact that it's in a minor key felt right for the song. The fact that it's, I wouldn't say it's troubling, but I would say that the music for me is distrustful. It couldn't be in major because I think that, you know, you want the music to support the emotional meaning of the song. And I think that if the song were in major, it would feel really happy and it would feel really resolved and it would feel really like a miracle can happen. It's all good. And I think that for me, I was troubled by that. And so that came out in the melody that I chose and in the chords that I chose, because I think they lend themselves to a more somber and questioning feeling. I wanted to ask you about the rhyming in the song and whether there was anything in particular you were trying to do with that. I know that there are some singer-songwriters who really don't use rhyme. And I think rhyme is one of the coolest kind of connectors that you can have, an oral connector that really like helps your ear. It almost like it knits the song for you. 
so that it holds together. So for me, rhyme is really important. I rarely don't not use rhyme in songs. One thing that is very important to me, I did not want to use perfect rhyme in the song because I feel like perfect rhyme, especially in a song that has a little bit of tension to it, can make it sound cliche. So if you look at my rhymes, you'll notice that I have a lot of kind of assonance rhyme going on where I'm not even, the consonants aren't even related. So a sound like rain and saved, those are only related because they have the same A sound. And clouds and down is the same thing. The D and S are something, what we call plosives. Those are plosive consonants. And the N is a nasal consonant. And so by mixing those up, it really lends the song a lot of texture and a lot of tension, which I think is important. And we talked about the alliteration of the heat in the heels of his hands, which I think is really important. And then in the bridge, all three lines... The bridge, all three, yeah, but notice also, so the rest of it is a four-line section, which is balanced, right? So you have like four lines, and then by having an unbalanced number of lines in the bridge, it creates more tension. The tennis hot, the music grows. Some would swear that God is standing in the bridge for me going from minor to major it's almost like the moon is behind the clouds in the minor and then there's a moment when it shines in major and then goes back into the clouds for me the fact that the moment when something's gonna happen right the moment when someone's gonna be saved it seemed like if I'd kept it in minor there wouldn't have been enough of a contrast And I really wanted there to be this kind of pressure building. Oh my gosh, here it is. Here's the miracle. Here it is. Here it is. And I think that going to major does that, that drastic, because for instance, you know, if I just, I guess I could have modulated too and tried that, but that felt too hokey. It needed to be smoother. So going to major felt like it's like a moment where the moon comes out of the clouds and then goes back in again. That kind of happens in the lyrics too. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Moon on cotton clouds. The revival tent is coming down. The whole can walk, the blind can see. All is truth and make believe. It's a song that comes full circle. I think that was also really important to me. We begin in the beginning of the day and we end at the end of the night. So the song takes place during a 12-hour period. That was also really important, that it be a kind of contained moment. So it starts out with this tent being set up. uh, And then at the end, it's coming down. And there are some people who perhaps have been healed. Or not. You know, you never know. The halt can walk, the blind can see, all is truth or make-believe. For me, like that was my favorite line, I think. Because it can be both those things. You know, I'm not a religious person, but I have to also kind of say, in addition to this, that I saved someone's life right around the time when I wrote this song. And the person whose life I saved, her husband is a pastor in a church. 
And he was very convinced that, you know, God had been there in the kitchen. And that is why I saved her. And for me, I think I was obviously thinking about that. And, you know, the fact that this song dealt with those issues of, you know, is it real or is it imagined? I think that that's a really interesting theme. It was, I have to say, a very intense experience because it was a a really, a very graphic thing that happened. And so I was definitely dealing with some PTSD after it and reeling from being that close to witnessing death in my kitchen. It was really intense. And obviously I had kind of planted that in my head and was thinking about it because it came out in a song. When I play it live, the room usually gets really, really quiet. It's something that I think it casts a bit of a spell on the audience, which is interesting, especially when you think of what the song is about. (laughs) Mm. I think that's kind of wonderful. And I feel like in the song, I'm maybe creating a world for them for a moment that they can step into and be a part of. It's funny because I'm playing the guitar now on all of my songs, so I'm not really standing at the mic by myself, you know, without my instrument. But when I have done it with just vocals, you know, it's very effective, like putting my hands down. And I I feel like by showing my palms, it's like this, I don't know, it's a little bit of a... A little bit of religious thing going on in there, which I think is pretty cool. (laughs) So wait, so you put your palms down? Yeah, like this. Like, you know, I have my palms open Uh so that the audience can see the palms of the heels of my hands. And it's pretty effective. Because that man's got the heat in the heels of his hands. So I was wondering, is there a particular line or image from this song that you think about when you play it or when you think about it? That all is truth and make-believe. Because I think that is kind of the crux of the song. The fact that miracles or carnival can coexist in the same place. I think that that is really interesting, especially, obviously, as it refers back to my personal experience where, you know, I think, yes... God can exist and also the trickery of religion can exist. And someone can go into a tent revival and can actually be saved or not. (laughs) I think I love the dichotomy of that. And so for me, when I sing that line, when I do it live, the bridge section is usually really full musically. And then when I get to the last verse, it's a total breakdown. And I'm strumming the chords. I'm doing like whole note chord things. And it's just me and the guitar. And then the band doesn't kick back in until the line of all is truth and make believe. Like it kind of crescendos back out of that. So for me, it's almost that's the message for me right in that line. And I think certainly, you know, when In my personal experience, you know, having that experience of saving someone's life, there were moments when I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe this is happening. (laughs) And I think that there definitely was this sense that I wouldn't say it was out of body where I wasn't looking down at myself saving someone's life, but I definitely, there was a surreal quality to the whole event that I really had to kind of wrestle with and think about. So it came out in the song. I have to say the one thing, the neat thing about this song is that when we recorded it for the album Haunted Heart, which is my new album, it really set the tone for 
the sonic landscape that I created in the entire album. It's the kind of lyric-driven Americana, which I think my album has a lot of. So each song has that kind of lyric depth to it and has that kind of tonal quality as well. It was one of the first songs that we recorded for Haunted Heart. And it was funny because it also just really came very naturally for the band. They understood what we wanted and we got a great take second one out. My producer is Lauren Entress, who has produced Laurie McKenna and Mark Arelli, And he is just so good. And we were talking about who do we want to have in the band? And I said, well, you know, honestly, I really, really love the Band of Joy, the Robert Plant project that he did with Alison Krauss. I was like, if I could have any drummer, that would be my drummer. And Lauren said, oh, you know, I actually know that drummer and I'll send him some songs. So we sent him four or five songs that we were going to cut and he agreed to come up and record it with us. So we had this Nashville drummer named Marco Giovino, who was just unbelievable. And my prior recording experiences, the drummer, like, you know, the song would have its chordal bass, right? And I would have written the melodic hook. And then I would go in with the chords and the band would record it and the drummer would play and the bass player would, you know, help the drummer and provide the rhythm. And the really interesting thing about working with Marco is that, first of all, he didn't bring any drums per se. He had all these really cool and strange toys that he had made. And what he used on Revival was two blocks of wood with nails and then he had shells that had holes in them on like 10 shells per nail on this thing and it created a really strange shuffling sound and what happened with revival and with all the rest of the songs is that marco started with that and the bass player started to accompany that. And then, and only then, would the chordal instruments, guitar and piano, fit their parts around the drummer. And that was a really new way for me to experience a song and record a song, because the drums were the roots of all the songs, and all of the melody kind of grew out of the drum sound. And that created a really wonderful, organic feel to the album in general, and I think especially to this song. Anything else? I think so. I mean, other than like where you can find me, that kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Are you ready for that? Let's do it. I'm SusanMusic.com. I'm Susan on FB.com, Susan on Twitter.com. So when I first started doing this and I was doing only country music, I did a radio show and the radio DJ said, oh, you know, there's no Susan in country music. And I thought, huh, I think he's right, actually. So there's a void. I'm filling it. (laughs) And so SusanMusic.com is the best place to find me. And do you teach at Berkeley? I do. Berkeley College of Music. I've been there 15 years. So students there may wish to seek out your courses, I suppose. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing we kind of didn't touch on. And that is, so I think teaching, it's wonderful because there's this give and take between the students and me where because I'm a performing artist, I can actually go in to my students who may not have had as much performing experience 
and really talk about what it's like to book a tour and to record a record and choose a producer. And so there are practical things that I'm learning out in the outside world in the music business that I can bring to the classroom. And then there's this other thing that happens where the musicians are coming into the classroom and they're so talented and so wonderful. And so I'm inspired by the work that they're doing. And it's certainly so rewarding when you teach something and then you have the student kind of come back and use that technique. So I'm a very, very lucky person that I get to do music during the day and also at nighttime. Well, my name's Jacob Haller. If anyone wants to check out my music, it's at music.jwgh.org. I've also created a blog on Tumblr, that's T-U-M-B-L-R, for this interview series. You can find that at yoursongpodcast.tumblr.com. And that's where I'll post links and other things related to this particular episode. So now we're going to go out by listening to the song we've been talking about, Susan Catania's song Revival from her album Haunted Heart. Thanks for listening. Faithful, go 
interesting like hearing this song because i recently watched uh this documentary about um james randy who's this magician and skeptic Ooh. from way back and one of the things that he's known for doing was uh he investigated this guy uh peter popoff who was a televangelist who did a lot of faith healing and uh, they discovered that he was getting information information about people um Before. and his wife you know at the door and his wife was communicating with him via a radio in his ear and yeah. stuff so uh obviously this doesn't really have anything to do with the song well, but it does because i think that that that's a very i mean it, it deals with that but you know you think about that okay so it's all a show right but the people that go there if you believe enough who knows what could happen, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're mm -hmm. very, very faithful and sure, okay, maybe it's a trick, but if you believe it, isn't it true then? Well, up to a point. <laughs> I mean, but, but, but think about that. Like, you know, if you can be, you know, you have bursitis in your shoulder or something and you go and someone lays hands on you and you, you feel better, well... It could be a placebo, but it you still feel better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I think that. <laughs> well, so tell me about the musician, the the magician. So what hap What happened in the film? Oh well, I mean, uh, this is this happened years ago. Um, but he, uh, Randy, went on the Johnny Carson show actually, and played this tape of the wife like feeding this guy the information. You know, saying, okay, third row, back to the fourth, guy's name is such and such. You know, he has. And, uh, you know, and so, but, I mean, Popoff is still around. These days he's, you know, he's selling, uh, I think, water that is blessed from Chernobyl or something strange, but. Oh my God. Yay. If you drink it, you will grow an extra head. Yeah. Yay. Two heads are better than one. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it, yeah. It's an interesting thing. Um, they're, they're both kind of interesting guys, Randy and, and Popoff. 